Welcome back to Strange Tales on Defenders TV Podcast with our spoiler-filled discussion of Doctor Strange, Issue 3, Sorcerer Supreme of the Galaxy, by Mark Wade and Jesus Says. Welcome back, fellow Defenders and the Supremes, to Strange Tales on Defenders TV Podcast. This is DTVP173, and we are looking at Doctor Strange Issue 3 with our spoiler-filled discussion of Sorcerer Supreme of the Galaxy, Part 3. Yes, I am one of your hosts, John. So we're keeping the fellow Defenders and the Supremes then, John, are we? We could call, we could say Sorcerers. I like fellow defenders and the Supremes. I like it. It's a nice little touch for these episodes. Uh, I'm one of your other hosts, Derek, uh, for these podcast discussions of Doctor Strange getting into an Infinity Wars tie-in for this issue. Pretty cool. Yes, most definitely. Our third installment of Strange Tales on Defenders TV podcast. And we're coming to Infinity Wars Mm tie-in, not only with the comics that are currently being published as well, but also um, with having Infinity Wars, the movie this year. So it is Infinity Central going on uh, in the Marvel Universe, both comics and MCU. Everybody loves those stones and gems, don't they? (laughs) They really, really do. Uh, And here we certainly see one of those gems, a very familiar gem for Doctor Strange popping up uh, into his grasp. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And if you have not subscribed to our podcast, make sure you pop on over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com, where you can find any way to subscribe to the podcast on any magical or mystical podcast app that's out there, including Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts as well. Our feed hasn't gone up yet for Strange Tales on Defenders TV Podcast. It's having a little challenge with Apple Podcasts at the moment, just getting it up. Uh, it should be up pretty soon, though, uh, if you want to subscribe to just our comic book coverage on there. Um, but yeah, please subscribe so you can stick with us for our coverage of Doctor Strange. Absolutely. Subscribe, rate us, leave a review, because sharing the love is sharing the podcast mm-hmm. with other comic fanatics out there. And in particular... Doctor Strange comic fanatics. Definitely, definitely. And of course, if you want to send us any feedback at all, you can email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Remember, once we finish these, this short run of these four issues of Doctor Strange, we'll be going monthly with our Doctor Strange coverage. So you can just email us as soon as you've read the issues and we'll be able to talk about your feedback on the podcast as well. Yes. John, I think we should get into this issue. As always, the issue is written by Mark Wade and the artwork is by Jesus Says. Uh, The issue was released on July 4th, and it is, as we mentioned, a tie-in to the Infinity Wars event. John, do you want to tell us Mark Way's synopsis from the first page of this book? I certainly do. With the assistance of interplanetary archaeologist Kanna, Doctor Strange broke out of prison on planet Grinder. She was wary of him. To her, spells and arcane artifacts were primarily objects of intellectual inquiry, or fodder for the trade. But Strange proved his worth when he executed the planet-enveloping spell that assured their escape. The successful casting also buoyed Strange's spirits. This plan to leave Earth to revive his connection to magic could really work. The Sorcerer Supreme and the alien archaeologists agreed to go adventuring together. 
It is like the famous five, except in space and <laughs> with only two people. <laughs> so the famous two in uh, space. In space. I like it. I like it. And well done for not saying archaeologist, John. Archaeologist. Another new word added to our lexicon by the wonderful writers on Doctor Strange. Uh, there's loads more in here as well. But I think we should get into our top five, John. Yes, our spoiler-filled discussion of part three of Sorcerer Supreme of the Galaxy with incantation number one. It is the continuing adventures of Doctor Strange and Kana. Yeah. Um, yeah. You get a nice little montage of them searching for these artifacts um, where Kana does say that ultimately she's not that attached to them. Yes, some of them may be, but otherwise they can be sold as trade. And you do get a nice little panel where she's trying to sell one of the artifacts and Doctor Strange is kind of like, uh, hang on a second, you can't sell that. That is the World Heart Talisman. Mm-hmm. So who only knows what that can do uh, <laughs> in the hands of someone that probably shouldn't have their sweaty mitts uh, on them. But uh, So it, it's a nice continuation of that dynamic between them, searching for these different spells, artifacts on different planets around this area of the universe of the galaxy. It's great to see these two back out free from uh, Planet Grinder. Yeah, definitely. I kind of like the idea that they kept this going as well because they could have just moved it straight into the storyline here. Um, not seeing them do a bit, the, bit of the planet hopping, but it's always fun to see that. It's a space story, so have to have them doing a little bit of swashbuckling and adventuring while they get the artifacts back from uh, from various different places. But this does serve another purpose. We get a little, oh, yeah. bit, of a, a little bit of a recap of the basic origin of Stephen Strange, um, which is quite interesting. He's, they say he's been pra- practicing magic for over 10 years is how he describes it. Not 50 years, as uh, is more accurate to the comic book, I think. <laughs> um, we have uh, a conversation where he says he was an arrogant ass whose pride got the best of him, but now magic has humbled him and he has a new purpose, or he has a renewed purpose. So whether that's part of the original origin story, that that is the reason he became a better person is by magic humbling him or whether he's talking about now having magic back in his life has that humbled him again. Uh, it's not 100% clear, but it works for both purposes, really. Yeah, it does. And it really is Doctor Strange in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get to find out more about Kana as well, mm-hmm. uh, where we see that her father was a magic user as well. But her mother, you know, this yin and yang, opposites attract, was a scientist. So effectively, she has grown up with both magic and science. In some ways, it reflects Stephen Strange as well, mm-hmm. uh, with his medical science and then being exposed to to magic through the Ancient One. And so with growing up, she combined these two different strands of thought and powers and, and technology uh, when something happened to her parents. But we don't really hear uh, what happened to her parents. She's still uh, not really um, going to give that away to Stephen. She's still thinking he is an Earth Billy. Uh, so you get that nice little reference to um, that kind of derogatory term that she was calling him uh, from the last issue. Yeah. Um, and she is still very dismissive of, of Stephen's magic. Uh, she feels that he is a, a little bit um, untutored in, in some of these artifacts. She feels a lot more 
uh, knowledgeable about these. And, and I think that's probably coming off where Stephen has come from in terms of what's happened to him and his very recent experiences where he just really seemed to mess things up constantly, yeah. uh, plunging the planet, or at least Las Vegas, I should say, into Hotel Inferno and the grasp of Mephisto, but also just, yeah, him losing his magic, being challenged on it, and realizing that magic can be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, one of my favorite lines in the book is where you see how dismissive Kana is of Stephen's magic, where she says, how long is it that you have been practicing what I'm sure seems to you adorably like actual magic? <laughs> just completely dismissive of him, where effectively all he's doing in her mind is just using these tools that she's picking up to approximate magic. It's not really that he's doing magic. He's just kind of using some tools. We also see him during this planet hopping, doing some training with some of the sor sorcerers as well. Yeah, and I, I think we get a nice little bit of information. You know, he says magic comes at a cost, but the magician no longer cared. You know, that narration. Um, and, and we see that, you know, the more magic that he is being exposed to on these planet hoppings, the more that he thinks he's going to return to being the Sorcerer Supreme. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's really interesting in the context of the accounts receivable from the last issue where he has enveloped the planet Grinder uh, and obviously people in the magical accounts department are taking note. So he no longer cares but other people do and it will be interesting to see how that plays out across this series about that price of magic and certainly about whether Doctor Strange does manage to get back to being Sorcerer Supreme in that sense that we knew him before Damnation and before Jason Aaron's run. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be really interesting to see how far they're going to take it. We see a little indication towards the, the end of this book as well. Let's get on to incantation number two, the planet Tarnax 2. Works well for incantation number two there, doesn't it? It really does, yeah. <laughs> Tarnax 2 for incantation number two. Exactly. And here we are getting a lot of apostrophes in the names of scrolls. Uh, this is really interesting, Kana bringing Stephen to meet this new magical trainer. You know, he's been and seen other ones previously, uh, and that's all been fine. Um, he's called Mutnox, um, and he is the greatest sorcerer, but he is the greatest sorcerer in scroll history. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that really freaks out Stephen, um, given the, the history of Earth and the scrolls, you know, We've had Secret Invasion. We've had Super Scrolls. So um, the Scrolls really are, as Stephen Strange said, um, are evil. He sees them as being simply evil. You know, they want to conquer. They want to control. They want to destroy. It really is a moment where Stephen is knocked off kilter by Kana, bringing him to Tarnax 2. It's kind of interesting because it comes from the fact that she dated a scroll. Yes, yes. Great little joke in there about Bitnox, uh, her former partner, uh, where he did actually bring the shape-changing abilities into the bedroom. Uh, nice little touch in there from, yeah. uh, from Kana. I or, must say, with Bitnox, I did think Buttox. <laughs> Interestingly named scroll there. Uh, but I love the artwork here, really. This is one of the best moments of artwork that we see throughout the book uh, from Jesus Sayas. Um, 
this moment when Stephen's walking around completely freaked out, doing a bit of a Harry Potter underneath his invisibility cloak uh, as they go out, uh, looking around the scroll, new home planet of Tarnax 2. Uh, I love this moment when you see Stephen's face and he's looking around him, uh, realising that everything around him, from plant to tree to bush to water to, uh, to humanoid that's around there, every single thing on the planet could be a scroll. You know, he, as he says, why create a house when you can turn yourself into a house if you need shelter? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, fascinating little uh, idea here. And I love that it was translated so well onto the page uh, in the artwork. Yeah, I think the artwork here is really, really good. Um, I really like it when they come across Smirtnooks and he's casting spells with multiple arms and he's able to conjure up multiple spells from each of his hands and this just fascinates Stephen Strange that he is effectively combining different spells to give a bigger greater more powerful overall magic effect and I thought the the artwork there was fascinating and really really nicely done and so here we see in this this moment that the scroll magician is combining the flames of Faltine and the Serachim uh, with this multi-arm technique. Um, and obviously we had the flames of Faltine in um, the first issue of this Mark Wade run uh, where he was combating uh, Zaxel mm-hmm. a, um, in another dimension. Uh, but it was first used in Strange Tales issue 150 in 1966 whereas the Seraphim is a spell that hasn't been mentioned before so i'm really enjoying that mark wade is expanding the universe of doctor strange and bringing in some new names some new ideas some new characters um, and some new bad guys as well not necessarily here on this scroll planet but for example zaxel so um yeah really really interesting Mm-hmm. And we also see that he's not only using these multiple spells, but he's got access to one of the Infinity Gems, the Time Stone. Well done to Mark Wade right there, just for avoiding one of the uh, challenges that seems to happen quite a lot with these books, where the gems and stones do get uh, mixed up a lot. Some writers call them gems, some writers call them stones. He has it in one line of dialogue that there's infinity gems and this is the time stone. So nice little touch there. Well done, Mark. Uh, But this is the whole purpose of Mitnox. This is the whole reason he's there doing these spells. Let's get on to incantation number three. We meet the overlord, Lord Clert, the super scroll. Yeah, or also known to his friends as Kurt. Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) Um, Yes, Clert here, um, Lord Clert, um, has asked Mutnox to increase the power of the Infinity Gem, Mm -hmm. presumably through this new technique that Doctor Strange has viewed. Um, He is a leader, or the leader, I should say, of the Skrull race, but he is a super Skrull. I love the fact that his powers are those of the Fantastic Four. So we see Reed Richards' um, elasticity, we see the things rock, uh, and we see flame on. Yes, bit of the human torch in there. I think we see a little bit of the invisibility, or don't see a little bit of the invisibility of uh, Sue Storm as well in there, probably. Uh, But interestingly, we are getting the return of the Fantastic Four in the main series of comic books at the moment, just in the books at the moment as it goes into the Infinity Wars. So so quite interesting that we see the return of Super Scroll. He's... appeared right back in Fantastic Four number 18 as one of the main attackers uh, being sent to Earth to destroy the Fantastic Four and having their powers, which is a nice little touch. And his mission is to rebuild the Skrull Empire. Mm-hmm. 
uh, after they had settled on Tarnax 2 at the end of Marvel's uh, Infinity event previously. And Clert was crowned effectively nominated as their leader mm-hmm. uh, so he is here trying to rebuild the scroll empire through the assistance now of the time stone that they have managed to get into their possession yeah. here uh, and it, and is being worked on by the scroll magician matt knox and moving on to incantation number four, uh, this super scroll uh, ends up in a battle with both Kana and with Doctor Strange, because as soon as they see the time stone, Doctor Strange is even more freaked out than he was after learning it was a scroll planet, because uh, he understands the power. He understands how the scroll are probably going to use it in terms of empire building, in terms of conquering. And for him, he knows the scroll are evil. Uh, so this is the moment where Stephen uses the invisibility to get close to try and get the Infinity Stone. But Lord Clert is absolutely on it, deploying his Fantastic Four powers yeah. against them. Uh, but Stephen Strange uh, counters with a bit of fantastic magic as well. And, of course, he does manage to get to the Time Stone uh, first, and so is able to utilize the power of the Time Stone against Clert. Unfortunately, Matt Knox is killed by Clert in this battle. Nice little uh, move from Canada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, he has not only lost the time gen in this moment, but he also loses um, his magician. So it, it's a really good little battle scene, seeing Stephen and Kana working together to fight against Clert. And it's a really nice way that Stephen tricks Clert um, into his own defeat, yeah. effectively, using the time gem. Yeah, I'm wondering if Stephen needs to take up the mantle of the trickster. Since Loki took up the mantle of, uh, of Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Stephen has become quite tricky here. Uh, first off, we do see that he says to Kana to try and get her into the fight, because she says, I'm not entering this fight, I don't care how powerful that thing is, I am salivating at the mouth at the thought of it but i'm not getting into the fight because it's an entire planet that will be going after us if we do so he tricks her by saying he'll give over the infinity stone to her any thought that he might possibly have done that that he would actually give the time stone to kana don't think so i think uh, it seems like Stephen will always go after that and knows he's the right one to be in charge of her and can, or, or take it at least because nobody else can have that power it's a little machiavellian mm-hmm. uh, in some ways and it also you know it really speaks to stephen strange being that kind of member of the illuminati and really what we saw in the mcu infinity wars as well uh, in that idea that he will make a choice he will carry out an action or he will make the decision that on the face of it looks like it is probably the most unpopular one Mm -hmm. for example if it's a choice between the time stone tony stark and peter parker he's saving the time stone you know that's what he says to stark and which you know is just sets you aghast that you know he's putting a mineral a a stone above these two characters Mm -hmm. these two living humans uh, and superheroes so it's really interesting and and so even though we get this promise 
Um, it's very difficult to see that Doctor Strange will follow through with it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt in my mind that this is going to be the twist. So we do see him return to their ship. Uh, we see him locking the stone away, but he does have the conversation with Kana. Uh, he locks up the gem, telling her that it can't be in anybody's hands, effectively telling her that he's lied to her immediately after they get back to the ship. Um, but after telling her, then he wipes her mind and wipes her memory of... Uh, the knowledge of what happened on the planet. So a very tricky Stephen Strange, as usual, kind of from his Illuminati times, kind of going for the greater good. Yeah, and using the palm of forgetfulness. Mm. Um, it's definitely not the first time that Stephen has done something like this, as it were. He's wiping the mind of somebody to keep uh, his attitude of what is the greater good a secret. We know in previous storylines he's wiped the mind of Captain America when he opposed things that the Illuminati wanted to do, um, which did come back to bite him pretty badly. And I'm expecting from the end of this book, uh, this may not be the last we'll hear of uh, of Kana's knowledge of the infin- of the Infinity Stone and of what Stephen just did to her. Like we we close out this part of the book with her going. I trust you, Stephen, implicitly, no matter where we're going, kind of thing. And you're going, eh, well, right, directly after, he's just wiped her mind. Um, yeah, it's a really nice moment where she has only a few panels before saying, I no longer trust you, after she realizes that he is never going to give her the time stone. And then he wipes her mind. Yeah. And there is this uh, flooding of trust for Stephen Strange. So, I mean, you know, if or dare I say it, when um, she finds out what's happened and how it's happened, I think this will be um, really, really crucial in this run. And he really has a knack for this as well. I mean, you know, Zelma as well has left him because of the things he has said to her uh, in order to what he thinks is protector. So he's not letting these people in. And again, he is defaulting back to that position here with Kana. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it really does seem to suggest that a magic leopard doesn't change its spots Absolutely. either. <laughs> yeah, never will, never will. Uh, let's go on to our final incantation because, well, we get the reappearance of one of our favourite characters for the first time in the Mark Wade run. And Bats the Dog is the closing section of uh, of this comic, uh, of this issue of the comic. Great to see Bats back. A nice little one-liner from, as as usual with Bats, as he's taking himself for walks in and out of the walls <laughs> of the sanctum, saying it's not as much fun when, when your owner doesn't take you for a walk, when you can make yourself walk on your own. But Yeah, um, and you can let yourself in and out yeah. at will. There's really no fun in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great to see Bats the, the ghost dog back. Really good to see him. I'm so glad that Mark Wade has included him. He's such a favorite of mine. And I think he's a favorite of a lot of people who have read um, Doctor Strange or of late. Um, but in the Sanctum, there is a very surprising visitor. He's cloaked in shadow. We uh-huh. have no idea who it could be. And, it, you know, Bats really wants to know how worried he should be that this mysterious figure is there. Is it Tony Stark? Is it someone else? Is it the accountants who's come for the the payment that is due? Again, uh, it looks like Mr. Stephen Strange may 
needs to be dug out of a hole that he has created in some way. Maybe, yeah. Um, or the fact that he now has the time stone in his possession that somebody is fully aware of this uh, and is looking uh, for him to come and bring this infinity stone to him for some purpose or for some reason. Yeah. It is really interesting whether they do this kind of stuff in comic issues, isn't it? Because you can't even tell whether it's male or female, obviously, from the voice, because you can't hear the voice. It's completely sh- shaded in darkness and done by possibly a different artist than the next time we see it. So it's very hard to make out the shape. I think it might be someone like uh, Tony Stark or maybe Captain Marvel or one of the one of the other characters that is involved in the Infinity Wars. Uh, we do see on the cover of the book that it is an Infinity Wars tie-in. Uh, let's just quickly speak about that, John. Um, at the time, I don't think you would need to have read this to read Infinity Wars. It's really just telling you the placement of that Infinity Stone, of the time stone and where it is at the beginning of the Infinity Wars. It's just telling you that it's in the possession of Stephen Strange uh, at that moment. But the rest of the story of Infinity Wars takes place after this. So it's just a nice moment just to find out how it came back into the possession of Doctor Strange, really. Yeah, absolutely. This this is really just saying that Stephen Strange has the time stone uh, and that he will play some part in this new Infinity Wars time. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Uh, a couple of quick little notes just to mention for anybody who wants to read along and wants to read those other issues and other books. Uh, as you mentioned earlier on, The Flames of Faltine, if you want to see those in action again, go back to the wonderful Strange Tales comic books, which we will be getting around to covering at some point. As John mentioned, it's in uh, issue 150 from 1966, so you can see those in action outside of Mark Wade's run all the way back then. Uh, the Scroll settled on Tarnax 2. That was at the end of Marvel's Infinity event. It was issue number six, and that's where they crowned as their leader as well so just a little moment as as to why they're on this planet because this isn't their original home planet and finally the time stone how did it get into the possession of clert unfortunately it's actually just a one page insert at the back of um hulk 713 which was a lead into the second planet hulk storyline so I don't know whether you need to read the entire issue because it is genuinely just one page at the back where he goes to Sakaar, which has been rebuilt by the Time Stone, and finds the Time time Stone there and takes it. And that's literally a four-paneler. So so there you go. That's how he got it in his possession anyway. Yeah, excellent. So, Derek, do you defend this issue of Doctor Strange? (laughs) I really enjoyed this issue. I'm really enjoying this run so far. It does feel really different from the Doctor Strange books that I've read before. Uh, I love that they're giving so much opportunity to to Jesus Sez to do his artistic work on this book, do something very different. I'm not sure about reading some of this stuff out loud because I don't know whether we've pronounced any of the scroll names correctly (laughs) at all. Some of the magic uh, stuff that's in there, again, they're all words that we can read i guess uh, so, so most of them we can read properly but it's been a really enjoyable book mark way is doing a great job on here uh, really excited to see this this continue and john since this is really your book you've got your doctor strange so john do you defend doctor strange the sorcerer supreme of the galaxy part three i do defend this issue of doctor strange i give this four bedroom scrolls out of five um yeah really enjoyed this um you have the the clerk the matnox and the buttocks um all to coming together <laughs> really nice moment of peril for doctor strange arriving on this scroll homeworld 
but finding out that, you know, the scroll are back up to their usual tricks of trying to build their empire. But this time they have the time stone, one of the infinity gems in their possession. I absolutely love that artwork of the scroll magician, Matt Knox, uh, casting his spells, doing his incantations, Great battle scene. And again, I'm really loving the pitter-patter of dialogue and exchanges between Doctor Strange and Kana. And I think what's really nice about this is that by the end of it, Doctor Strange is doing stuff without her permission by wiping her mind. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's going down that same road that has happened to him with Clea and with Zelma were... When they find out, they will realize that they can't trust him, despite those final words of Kana in this issue, which is, I trust you, Stephen. So again, it's really playing with how he is so divorced from the here and now in that moment because he is thinking of all these different existential things that he has to protect earth or the galaxy from uh, you know we saw that in the last issue with the planet grindar where he envelops it and now we see him doing the same thing to Kana by retaining the time stone and wiping her memory of all knowledge of it mm-hmm. uh, plus of course we get that's the dog and a mysterious visitor to the Sanctum Santorum in New York. So really, uh, really good issue. And, you know, the start of a nice little tie in with the Marvel Infinity Wars. So, yes, I do defend this issue of Doctor Strange. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. really good one this time again. And as we mentioned before, you can contact us if you want to share your thoughts with Doctor Strange, the Mark Wade run. You can email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com and make sure you stay subscribed to the podcast by going through DefendersTVPodcast.com. Absolutely. We'll be back next week with Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme of the Galaxy Part 4. Mm-hmm. And very soon we will be back in September the 7th with Marvel Netflix Iron Fist Season 2. Mm-hmm. Yes. We will have a magical, mystical roller coaster ride here into autumn. So please uh, join us here on Defenders TV Podcast. And again, as always, thanks so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. We'll be back next week with Issue 4. Absolutely, fellow Defenders. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm off to go and have a dabble with the palm of forgetfulness. Hopefully I won't forget that I will be back next week to speak with you. (laughs) Bye for now.